this is uh, Jay Harwitz. Welcome to another edition of Amazing Mental Love, my podcast. And I'm reuniting my old friend, Jerry Manuel. Jerry and I, we were together for six years with the Mets. He was a coach and a manager. And now Jerry's gone on to a, really a second career working for Major League Baseball, started his own foundation, um, doing a lot for diversity and inclusion in baseball. But, Jerry, before we get into that, let's reminisce a little bit. You know, I remember the only time you and I ever had a disagreement in my, our six years together was over football. You happened to root for the Cowboys. <laughs> I was a giant fan. But if, Unfortunately, you won those battles, though, Jerry. Unfortunately, yeah, well, that didn't go anywhere after we won that battle. We we were we we've been very bad for a long time. Here yeah, with the boys. Well, we got so, so has the Giants. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I can't argue with that. You don't remember about our time together was the long trips we used to take to Kissimmee, to Orlando, to Tampa. And I was on a lot of those trips with you, and we maybe didn't have the whole team, but you really wanted like anything to win those games and go back and tell Willie. We won those games. What do you remember about those trips you used to have together? Oh, I, I enjoyed those trips. I think uh, getting to know people in the organization, number one, and number two, uh, spending that time with you, prepping me for conferences and, and those types of things, uh, post-game and, and uh, pre-game conferences, were enlightening to me because of the uh, number of participants in those conferences was not overwhelming, but it was good because questions you didn't want to answer, they would ask them in different ways, you know, which was kind of funny. But uh, it was a great learning process for me. I remember on a trip, you didn't read the normal, ordinary books. I remember, did what trip? You read the autobiography of Gandhi, if I remember correctly. Yes, yes, yes. Gandhi uh, was uh, is, is probably one of my my, my heroes. Uh, Martin Luther King, obviously, and uh, I try to follow the principles. Uh, I do my best to follow the Christian principles, but I still have gangster proclivities, but uh, you know, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, can, I, can I pick up a really sore subject? Boy, don't kill me. We were in Colorado, I think, and one of our guys was going to have surgery or was hurt, and, he, and you said we're something like that. Day to day until he has surgery or something like. Do you remember it? I got a call the next day. Oh my God! Remember? Do you remember that? Uh, I, I, I vaguely remember that. I vaguely remember. That. Yeah, uh, because we were we were going through a period. Yeah, where, you know, guys walk in the dugout and and, and they get they they got hurt. Uh, I remember a guy walking yeah. down the dugout. He twisted his ankles. He was done. We go yeah. to the mound to see a guy throw a pitch, and we look at the catcher, and the guy's laying on the ground. Or John Neese <laughs> was, so it was uh, it, it was quite interesting that I, I've never been on a club that had injuries after injury after injury after injury. I mean, obviously, in the course of 162 games, you're gonna go through a number of injuries, but this was really different in the fact that it was number one very very critical players key players that we had had put together um we, we felt a, a championship type quality team but uh with those injuries hitting like the way they were it made it very difficult and we went from a second line to a third line to we started getting guys off the street to play I mean, I, <laughs> you I mean, know and i'm saying wow but uh 
it was a, it was a great experience. It yeah. was a great experience. Joe, you had a great baseball career as a coach, player, won a world championship with the Marlins, manager re, manager of the year with the White Sox, and now you're really in, in a different career, like almost a second career. After you left baseball, you started your own foundation, uh, the mm-hmm. German Mania Foundation. Right on. And tell me, what are the goals of, uh, of of what you're trying to do with the you're supporting the unsupporting children? Is that correct, basically? Well, uh, the under-resourced, uh, yeah, and in, in the underserved kids, which are you know in this day and age, which I didn't know uh, once I uh, was 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 let go by the Mets when I came back. Uh, a gentleman asked me to help with the youth, and I said, "Well, just have them play little league." He said, "Well, there's no more little league. This is travel ball thing." I didn't know anything about it because I I didn't have any kids in it, didn't have any grandkids in it at that time, so I didn't really know what that was all about. I thought the little league and then high school or Babe Ruth or whatever, those steps would get you noticed. But uh, come to find out that travel ball was a big industry and basically it's a pay for play. And so I knew the underserved and under-resourced never didn't really have a chance to uh, continue their their skills with this type of format out there. So that's why, that's the reason we started the foundation that's the reason that we started the school was to give them an avenue of um, number one, good education with the carrot being baseball and hopefully find some kids that can play and maybe play at the next level. But if not, then we're, we think we're at least making fans of the game of baseball in our culture. We don't What's have the relationship to- between the foundation is the charter, the Alpha Char- Charter School. You're right, right outside of Sacramento, right where you live. I mean, yeah. I mean, you start early. You know, you start like in middle school with, with the kids. No, we start uh, ninth grade. We, ninth we, grade, right? Yeah, ninth grade. That that age group uh, between when you go from uh, let's say 55 feet on the mound to 80 on the bases and then you go from then you go to 60 90 where there's a big drop off in baseball overall every culture there's just a huge drop off so we started decided to start at the at that level at the kids that we knew were very interested in playing the game but how do you do with the you combine baseball with the academics though right at the school right 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 we are a what you call a magnet to the charter and it's a it's the magnet is baseball so every day there's a a class for baseball and during that time is when we have our practices if the weather is inclement then we do you know we, we do stuff on the board we do skull sessions and that type of thing we, we talk about the intricacies of of baseball as far as the game goes which is what we're noticing that's missing even at the higher level is those intricacies and the reason that they're missing those basic fundamentals is because everything is showcase. So when you go to a showcase event, you're going there as an individual, not as a team. So the game gets put behind. You're just trying to show your skills, but you don't, you don't know how they fit in the context of, of winning. And, and that's what, that's kind of what you see now. That's what you see in the World Series and the playoffs when your guy needs to get a bunt down, they don't do that because of, you know, sabermetrics say you can't give up that out when you only got 27 or what have you. But I don't know if a lot of sabermetricians played the game, but 
the part of putting a bunt down not only helps the kid who is struggling, but helps him be a part of a team because it's the easiest thing to do. And he can be applauded for that and become a part of the team. That's the manager's job to make everybody get on the same page and root for one another. So that that's kind of kind of the thing that I find is difficult with, with, with kind of watching the game of baseball when you have a great pitching duel. And in the playoffs, you're going to face a number one, a number two, and then that team that's in the playoffs is going to go get another number one. So you're going to be facing three really good pitchers and, and obviously a short-up bullpen. And so runs are going to be difficult to handle. So manufacturing is what we always did. It's kind of been thrown out the window because in the part in the in the process of manufacturing, you're probably giving up outs in order to gain a base. Jerry, where do you get your your, your children, your kids from? I, where do you, you, how many do you have in, in your in in the in the team right now in the school right now? We get them from different parts of of the Sacramento region. Uh, we we got kids uh, that come as far as Vacaville, Vallejo, Danville, which is about two hours from our school. We go and pick up some of the kids that are locally that don't have the transportation. We we purchased a van to pick them up. We try to keep that van, you know, with social distance. We don't pack them in the van. You know, kind of make sure that is. Uh, sanitize and so forth. So that's kind of what we do. We have a guy that drives around, drives uh, and picks the kids up for practice and takes them back and drop them off because everything, as far as the classwork, is done online. And all our coaches are guys that facilitators in the classroom. So they are assigned to a certain number of kids on the baseball team to make sure that the schoolwork is getting done because if you don't do the schoolwork, you can't get on the field. Are you put, used to put on a uniform, Jerry? No, I don't. I don't wear a uniform. I wear sweats and essentials. Just like, did you? Uh, yeah, I wear essentials and, and that kind of stuff. I wear what my son makes. But, but, but separate, separate apart from the foundation, you're you were a consultant so for Major League Baseball. I mm-hmm. uh, worked for Tony Riggins. You travel around. I, you were telling me you set up these camps like Hank Aaron Invitational, mm-hmm. the Dream Series, and go down to Vero Beach to do stuff there. Mm-hmm. What what is it, what exactly is that about, Jerry? Well, that's that's basically the same thing I do without the educational component. Uh, okay, but it's underserved kids that. Tony Riggins, Dale Matthews, Ken Du Jones, and Cam. I can't think of Cam's last name right now, but they seek out these kids from all over the country. And they're, they're mostly African-American kids. It's about 90, 98% African-American kids that are invited down to uh, Vero Beach, where old Dodger Town was, and they renamed the complex, uh, the Jackie Robinson Complex, and then they named the event the Hank Aaron Invitational, which he got a chance to witness uh, before he left us to see all those all those kids playing. And I think uh, it did his heart well to, to to see that that there are kids playing. A lot of people say they're not kids playing, but we house close to 120 to 200 kids every year and they're different kids. And then there's some kids that stay with us for what we're going to come back. Ed Howard, Cubs, uh, number one pick, he's he had been with us since the uh, Chicago West Little League team was in the uh, Little League World Series. So, and uh, he grew into a, be a pretty good player. So, you have a chance to work with the kid that uh, throws a hundred. Hunter Green, uh, he's been a part of that program. We got kids like Chase Davis that go on to be college players. But uh, just 
just tremendous talent, Jay. Tremendous, tremendous talent. And the, and the staff that we have are former ex-Major League players like Marquise Grissom, uh, Delano DeShields, uh, Mike Socia, Ron Washington. All these guys have, have been a bigger part of big part of the staff. Uh, Marvin Freeman uh, with the pitching for a while. We had Flash Gordon uh, be a part of the uh, running the pitching pitching part of it so we have outstanding coaches that uh, are trying to speak the same language as they're speaking in the major leagues to get these kids ready to play if they want to at the next level and that that next level probably more than likely will be college because of the way minor leagues are set up and the draft is, is set up at this time. Jerry, we had a you know Curtis Granderson play with us a couple of years ago. His main focus with his foundations trying to increase the number of Afro American players in in the majors or playing ball. I think I saw a stat somewhere like a couple of years ago, like there was thirty three percent of the major league players were African American players. Now it's down to like six or seven or eight percent. Mm-hmm. What could be done? I mean, the stuff that you're doing, I don't know what's a long way to help that, but what could be done on a major league to help boost that up or some way? I think I think uh, I, I, I have to applaud the uh, commissioner for helping us with the resources to put on these clinics because they are they're absolutely free. The meals and and, and everything. I, I think in order for us to really uh, move the needle, I think we have some momentum, but we're not yet yet a movement i think the COVID slowed us down a bit because we were really we were really coming into our own but i think the real key uh for for people that have an interest in this is solidarity uh we have satellite things all over but we're not connected i think that's a that 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 could be somewhat of an issue i think there are people that are starting programs which are good good programs but at some point we need to bring all all pieces together and then make that consolidated effort to make this, uh, like I say, a movement rather than just momentum. Jerry, how satisfying, you know, majorly in, in the played baseball, you know, couple, three, four decades and now different party life. I guess it's, diff- it's satisfying in a different kind of way for you and probably even a better way in some respects huh, than what you're doing now. Oh, no doubt. This is a good lane for me. I think, uh, and even at the same time, I am uh, speaking with some of the instructors who want to get back into major leagues as managers or coaches. Uh, we're trying to train them as well uh, as African-American or, or whomever will let him come. But they're, they're mostly our, that's our target. But we don't exclude anyone, but we're, we're all inclusive. But our target is the African-American kids just because that culture is lacking, you know, is, is, is dropping, uh, you know, at the big league level. So we're mm-hmm. at least hopefully creating fans and, and what have you. But we, we try to do the same thing with the coaches and whatever. But this is a this is a good lane for me. I mean, if uh, if I was asked to manage again, obviously it'd have to be a, a great situation. But I would prefer to be a young guy's bench coach uh, just to walk him through. Uh, you know, well, kind of what's expected and, and, and so forth. You certainly have the skills. Hey, hey, I look back at our, our time together, you know, it was a, a, a lot of close misses, you know, uh, 
What if mm-hmm. in the in the '06 playoffs uh, we, he mm-hmm. got a run in the bottom of the ninth inning? I mean, I mean, just um, unfortunately, like late season stuff didn't go our way. But overall, how do you right. look back on your time with the Mets? Oh, I I enjoyed it extremely. I think what the Mets did for me was allow me to be me and not me to be a, a prototype uh, of somebody else or this guy or that guy and. The strategy was always a uh, a huge thing for me, even as a young person. So when I went to New York, that was kind of tested, which I thought was great, which made me a better manager. Because you, in New York, you can't do just anything and say, oh, it's a gut feeling. You got to have a reason for having a gut feeling. <laughs> you know, that was what was great for me was that it was a great time to go back and forth with, you know, guys on the radio, those guys talk about what happened, why you do this, why'd you do that, you know, questioning and what have you. But my thing, Jerry Reinsdorf always taught me was you should have an answer. You might not be right, but you should have an answer for what you and why you're doing. Yeah. And you should be, you know, you should be ready to, you know, back up your answer, uh, you know, with some some empirical evidence. And that's usually experience. So that was a good thing for me to experience New York and and the spotlight that is on you in New York. Unfortunately, some things happened and we didn't we didn't do what we did. But I thought originally we started out with great teams, uh, I think, upper division clubs uh, every year. I thought we had an upper division club every yeah. year, but unfortunately, yeah. the, the injuries and timing and things like that didn't uh, didn't quite go our way. Well, I'll, I'll always remember the bus, the, 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 the time in Spick Trades, me, you, and Willie Randall used to ride together in a car. Yeah. I used to sit in the backseat, coffee, and Willie used to get mad. But, <laughs> but listen, Jack, I appreciate your time. You're doing great work. Listen, I want to say one second before I let you go. How about them cowboys? <laughs> <laughs> you had to throw that in. I'm, I'm a Mahomes. I'm a Mahomes fan now. I got his. His dad works works with us too. Pat. Pat. Pat comes out and throws. So I'm a Mahomes fan. So I got a. I got. I got a new team. I go yeah, back. He, to, he, I go back to Otis Taylor, Elmo Wright, uh, Mike yeah. Garrett, uh, the Chiefs. You know, uh, the big linemen they had, Lanier. Uh, yeah. I go back that far. You know, so I, I used to love Hank Stram. Loved him. So I can I can feel myself going for the Chiefs now, you know. Uh, me too. I'm a Chief. I remember a little Patrick running around the locker room in yeah. 2000. Uh, you see a lot of his throws, his baseball background. And oh people no forget doubt, no doubt. Yeah. And, and, and you know, Jay, just to just, just real quick, I think a lot of the reason that we don't have those numbers is because a lot of it is our fault and I'm talking about African-American fathers because we let our kids do other things in the game, in, in, in sports, which they fell in love with, just like Pat yeah. Mahomes. He, we, he could have he been a, a ace. Uh, Griffey Jr. had a son. Larkin had a son. I mean, those are all Hall of Fame people that had sons that, that are playing other sports. So we, we didn't do our job. As, as, as far as keeping our kids in, 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 in the uh, one sport of baseball, the beautiful game of baseball. Let me tell you one quick story, not to keep you up. The 2000 World Series, uh, Patrick was out shagging balls with uh, with Mike Hampton in center field. Mm-hmm. And Mike tells the story that he was like up to uh, his knee, and he jumped in front of him, snagged the ball, took it out of Hampton's glove. 
<laughs> so uh, I mean, he's. Uh, I enjoy watching him play, man. I enjoy watching him yeah. play. But yeah. hey, my best to your family, to your wife, of course, and uh, keep doing the good work. Oh Jerry, yeah, you do the same, Jay. You sound great, man. You sound great. Good to hear you.